It's just about five o'clock and you're tuned into This Week in Moab. I'm your host, Molly Marcello. We've got a full program this evening, so I'm just going to get right into it. The musician and composer William Tyler spent the last month in Green River as an artist in residence with the nonprofit Epicenter. We caught up with him a few days ago and had a conversation about his time here in rural Utah. So we'll hear that conversation first, and then we'll hear the fruit of his artist residency, a radio play called Twilight Zephyr. The play was performed live here on KZMU and is rebroadcast tonight for This Week in Moab. But first, here's our conversation with Tyler. This is William Tyler. I'm a guitarist and composer and sound artist from Nashville, Tennessee via Los Angeles. So as we discussed before we started recording, you have deep roots in Tennessee in Nashville. You're also not unfamiliar with the West Mm -hmm. um, as a resident of California currently. Um, But moving to Green River, Utah is a very specific decision, (laughs) a very specific corner of the world. So can you tell us how you got out there? Yeah, I became friends with Maria Sykes um, at Epicenter through a former Frontier fellow, um, Jen Jameson, uh, who's like a really, really dear friend of mine. She's actually was my first like housemate when I moved to LA. She went, she's been all over the place doing folklore stuff. She, Mm -hmm. she actually like lived in Nashville for a while, which is where I met her. But anyway, she works, she works in LA now. Her and her partner, Chris Merchant did a, uh, fellowship there, I think right before COVID. Mm -hmm. And so last year I was like, I haven't taken like a, vacation or a trip for fun in like years and so Jen was like you should go to Green River you know and I I, I haven't been aggressive about applying for residencies like it's something I want to do more now that I'm kind of in like mid-career mode I guess and Mm. I really just love what their mission is and you know I mean I like high desert towns like most people who've been through there I got pretty enchanted with Marfa you know Joshua Tree places like that but like it's been so different from living in L.A., and it's just been a month. And so different from Nashville, because to be frank, I mean, to live in either one of those cities, and you know this, having been from there, um, there's an, a culture of achievement and a culture of performative, like, mm. uh, everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, especially, like, acting like you have more money than you do, or if you have a lot of money, acting like you have less money than you do. And it, it it's not... It's it's a lot of ego noise. I don't like celebrity culture. I actually hate celebrity culture, and L.A. is kind of the nexus of it, I mean, more so than New York. I, what I love about L.A. is, like, you know, it's an incredibly diverse, exciting music and art scene, mm-hmm. which I can't say about Nashville. But Nashville is also a very ego-driven, performative city, so it's, like, it's just been nice to be somewhere where I'm around a lot of people who are younger than me, frankly, uh doing things like design and architecture and affordable housing work and, you know, like rural reclamation things and like yeah. things involving the environment and water that I feel pretty passionate about. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, like I called a song, I named a song Cadillac Desert like 12 years ago, you know, like this is my zone, you know, like people like, like y'all. So yeah, that's a long answer. I actually was going to mention that because I know that thematically the desert has shown up in your work before. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious about your relationship to it. Have you thought about the desert conceptually? Or is it the physicality of the desert? Like, how is that influencing your work? Or how has it? And what are you doing with it now? Well, 
I've been working on sort of like a, a number of things that could be different projects. Like I have a lot of field recordings I've been doing. I've been re-recording some original music in like interesting acoustical spaces like the Tank in Rangeley, Colorado. All of this is part of like the radio play Twilight Zephyr that Sarah here at KCMU has co-produced. But I would say like, so this album I did, it was just called Impossible Truth that came out in 2013, I think. At the time, I was reading a lot of Mike Davis, you know, who's mm. the, yeah. And uh, didn't really have any emotional connection to Los Angeles. I mean, I had friends there, but I was fascinated. There were just so many, like, things, like, urban theory, socialism, environmentalism, and history. And, like, just he's one of the, and he's a great writer. And mm-hmm. so I just started reading everything he wrote. Mm-hmm. That led me to Cadillac Desert, that book. So that speculating about the West had mm-hmm. a lot to do with that that album. So I have a younger sister, and she's a she's a filmmaker and producer, mm-hmm. and she she also lives in Los Angeles now. I followed her out there about a year after she went um, in 2016, and when we were doing the drive, I helped her do the drive west, and she specifically routed it through s- southern Utah so we could go through some of the national parks. And like I'd never, you know, in rock bands which I used to tour with, like y- you go from you know Salt Lake City to Denver or to Boise, maybe you know, mm-hmm. it's like you don't see mm-hmm. the rest of the state. Yeah. And I'm just continually amazed at like the sky here, the vistas, the sky, the nature frankly the unforgiving aspects of the nature i mean i grew up in a part of the country that constantly has water i mean actually has too much water and this is a part of the world that has not enough water there's something about how cinematic the sky is here Mm -hmm. you know i love westerns as a genre of film kind of although like you know i mean more and more i'm like drawn to like the anti-westerns whether it's like mccabe and mrs miller or like meek's cutoff there's so much like myth making out here but i do think that it's really interesting how it draws people in and then like maybe they come away with something have you have you read the rest is noise that book that Mm -hmm. alex ross book about Mm -hmm. classical music in the 20th century he talks about messian and like you know messian was like a holocaust survivor all this stuff and one of his later works was like a symphony that was based around desert canyons in utah alice tully who you know was part of like lincoln center or whatever was like we want you to come to new york he was like i hate new york she was like why don't you go to utah and he's like okay and he wrote a symphony based on the desert I think there's something about the land out here that's just so humbling and stunning. The space, I feel like in the last month I've had, my brain has just opened back up to like receiving input in a way that's just different when you're in a big city. Hmm. You know, I know the Green River Epicenter Fellowship, the Frontier Fellowship, these artists are tasked with doing some work that's in relationship to the landscape, the people, the history, Mm -hmm. the environment, like you were talking about that space. Tell me about your project and how you approached it with those themes. Yeah, when we started talking about doing a fellowship, you know, which, you know, Epicenter doesn't do a lot of sound artist fellowships, but I think it's really cool that they're so open to like different, different um, disciplines. And Maria introduced me to Sarah Mm -hmm. here, KZMU. Mm -hmm. And Sarah and I, just started bouncing lots of ideas off and like I used to have this sort of like blog spot style it's not even a podcast but like kind of an audio diary mm-hmm. slash fake radio show because it was never on the radio I sent that to her and she's like oh, okay cool like we're kinship you know we have that. and so like you know I because I was thinking about it like a lot of the fellowships at Epicenter involve some sort of installation or tangible piece of art that like becomes a part of the community which i really respect because it is changing green river in a really cool way in like little small ways whether it's you know the sign or you know just mm. the land art stuff right. like that mm-hmm. 
I was like, well, I can't do that. So maybe, you know, Sarah was like, why don't we do something involving the radio station and doing like a live, like a live radio. And, and, and like she had, she had the idea of like, let's do like a radio play, which, you know, I just love the idea. I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with radio. Like I listen to radio as much as anything. Um, unfortunately, there's not a lot on the radio that's not like right wing talk guys, but mm-hmm. like baseball games, agriculture feeds, home home repair shows, country oldies. I mean, I'm talking about AM radio specifically. Mm-hmm. There's something magical to me about the static of AM radio, mm-hmm. and it really lends itself, in my opinion, as sort of a sonic partner to the visual openness of of the desert so the project is called twilight zephyr which sounds like a train line you know like the train that goes through green river twice twice a day is, is the california zephyr and i was here for a few days and, and made this connection between because there's a restaurant have you been to the west winds restaurant in green river yeah it's like the place that has the liquor the liquor license which right. is hilarious by the way they're hiring so they can <laughs> open for dinner if anyone's interested <laughs> but like i was like hmm, west winds and then i was like california zephyr and i mm-hmm. looked up like what is the meaning of zephyr you know mm-hmm. like it's like zephyrus the greek god of the west wind and you know since i've been here it's been very windy and so I kind of decided that, like, I think the sonic unifier here is going to have to be wind because it's kind of inescapable. Mm-hmm. And so that became the title of the project. And it's it's a personal, obviously a personal, subjective mm-hmm. kind of semi-diary, audio diary of um, my time here in the last month. But my own voice is actually, like, not in it very much. Um, kind of sort of incorporating music underneath or over some of the field recording stuff sure, I did. Sure. So that's basically the deal. So I know from experience as someone who interviews people like out in the field or out outside mm-hmm. that wind is the number one thing that I'm afraid of I and mean, want to avoid. I mean, I, I bought a Zoom <laughs> recorder for the uh-huh. first time like uh-huh. a month ago for this trip. Right. You know what I mean? And uh-huh. now I'm like, oh, right. It's like absolutely you can't can't really work with it. I will. That's that's why I'm so. I want to zoom in for a second on the wind yeah. piece. Like you knew that wind was a huge part of this project. How did you capture wind? Well, I mean, it wasn't <laughs> hard. Uh, but like you know, I mean, the, but like in a way, people might want to listen to it. Well, they might not. So there's like this. There's this section which is like literally three minutes of wind in different acoustical environments. Okay. And I think I found an interesting way to do, to use it. You know. Um, in a meditative way, frankly, I mean, you know, I mean, you know, the sound as well as anyone of like the the peak, the you know, right. and there's a lot of that, you know, but it's not throughout the whole piece. I tried sure. to like, I tried to like siphon it off to be like one section where it's just like, okay, here it is, mm-hmm. and then it doesn't really reappear. But it was it was very challenging in terms of like, mm-hmm. I think Maria and I had originally had the idea of like maybe I like record myself playing music outside in all these different spaces and like that was really hard to do just because of the wind Mm. so most of the music i recorded on this trip was actually in one specific acoustic environment which is the tank Mm. in rangeley colorado which is another pretty singular spectacular um Mm -hmm. space you know and it's like a disused water tank from a railroad company like i i love the thing about like you know I'm sure this is not like singular to the American West, but like there's so much creative use of land and existing like industrial 
detritus here, you know? It's fascinating to me. Yeah. So, I, I mean, but, like, in terms of, like, how you, I mean, wind, yeah, wind is not your friend. Like, as a, if you're trying to interview people, if you're trying to record, right. it also spreads fire. Right. It also just stresses me out. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, I'm at the house, the Epicenter house, and, like, you know, I think, like, a weekend, like, I, I'm sure they maybe they do this when I'm not there, but I just had the idea of, like, putting, like, really heavy rocks on the trash can so that it didn't keep, just keep blowing over. And it's like, man, this is really, like, I mean, you know, I grew up in, like, Tornado Alley, kind of, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's different. It's It's just... Everything's a little more extreme in the West environmentally, I feel like, you know, mm-hmm. and more so than ever now, too. With um, the recording in the tank, do you mind talking about that experience? Yeah. Because this is something that I think a lot of our listeners are familiar with. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, what was that experience Because it's not like that far away from here. It's yeah. not that far away. This is yeah. just apropos, like, Maria sent me the Alex Ross so Alex Ross, who wrote Rest is Noise, right. we were talking uh-huh. about Messian. Uh-huh. He he wrote the New Yorker article about the tank. I think it was like profiling, like Room Full of Teeth, Caroline Shaw doing something there. Uh-huh. I mean, some really inc- incredible, like top right. level people have recorded there. But she just sent me the article and she was like, you should hit up these people and see, you know, like what, you know, like nonprofit to nonprofit kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, they were kind of like, yeah, you can come and record it here. Sure, this is our rate, you know, like, mm-hmm. and I was just like, you know, like, this is totally worth it. I decided to do like a half day rate because it was frankly just like the, if mm-hmm. I had done the full day, it really would have been like not financially <laughs> sure smart for this trip. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, basically, and y'all who are listening who have been there know this. Like, it's a it's it's a hard place to get to, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm kind of starting to get used to places that are hard to get to in the West. But like mm-hmm. this one was particularly hard. It's like you go to Junction, mm-hmm. you know, the most direct way is you go to Junction. And then there's this weird little road. Right. And as soon as you get on it, it says no services for like 80 miles. Right. And it's just like, so you, I know I know what that means now. But then you're on this insanely meandering and frankly terrifying and beautiful road that cuts through Colorado for, you know, two hours, 80 miles, whatever it is. And it's like that, it's like that scene in The Shining where Jack's driving the car you know, by himself around these Colorado, that's how it felt to me, you know, and then you get into this like town and it's like, it's very windswept and dusty and Mm. frankly makes Green River look pretty cosmopolitan, honestly, like, you know, in a a way, and that's not like a critic. I mean, I'm from the South. My family's from Mississippi. Mm -hmm. Like we, we get dunked on all the time. Right. Um, (laughs) but like, no, I really was kind of like, this is an extreme environment. It's hard to get to. And there's like, you know, there's one hotel and it's it's just like, wow, this is like this is real but then I wanna remember when I read the Alex Ross article, um there was something in that New yeah. Yorker piece that I'm sure people listening have read mm-hmm. that was yeah. like they we want this to be the anti Marfa. Which I thought was pretty dope. And I love Marfa, but it's like, you know, it mm-hmm. has been taken over by people with a lot of money. And I was like, Yeah, that's never gonna happen here because uh it's just too hard to get to. Like when I drove back, I took a really weird route up through Vernal and then back south through Price because I just didn't want to go back down the mountain, you know. But basically, long story short, right. I got there. I booked a nighttime session there. It was okay. inc- it was incredible. It was like there was an engineer. There were two engineers. I think they were like a couple. They they actually do live in Rangeley. Okay. Yeah, you know we they set up like seven mics at varying. A couple of close mics on the guitar, mm-hmm. and then like kind of room mics that went up. Uh, there was a stereo set that was probably up like maybe twenty feet in the air, so you were getting almost only the reverb. And I've played some of this stuff for friends of mine, mm-hmm. 
And they've just been like, I've never heard reverb like this mm. outside of a cathedral. So oh. there's something pretty special about that spot. And some of those recordings are in your project. Yeah, yeah. That's totally. so neat. I mean, it was incredible. It was uh-huh. so gratifying uh-huh. because like, like I said, it was like, I kind of had a stressful day getting there drive wise. Right. And then like, I was just a little, I was kind of on edge and all this stuff. And it's just like so much catharsis came out of just being able to s- sit and play guitar and, you know, obviously I'm paying for the opportunity and it is a privilege, but it's like being in that kind of acoustical space surrounded by sound, not wearing headphones, just like, just, I mean, it was, it was unbelievable, honestly. Mm. It was really special. Mm. So you were at the end of your residency mm-hmm. in Green River. Yeah. What do you think you're going to take with you from your month in this corner of the world? Well, you know this because you, you, you've moved here. Mm. Um, I think, you know. If you if you move from a urban and larger urban environment or a metropolitan area to a place that's this like mm-hmm. this that's that's you know rural and and kind of isolated geographically, like that's a decision. And I f- find more and more that the people who make the decision are some of the most interesting people I meet. Mm-hmm. And and you know like I have friends in rural America that like live in New England and live in like the you know Great Lakes area, the Midwest, right. Western Michigan, stuff like mm-hmm. that. There's a kind of tenacity you have to have. Also, like, a creativity. You become a really good cook. I didn't because I live with one for the last month. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of was always too intimidated to mm-hmm. cook around. Um, but uh, I don't know how to say it. I mean, it's like I would I would say this. I, I think my priorities about being emotionally engaged in certain metrics of what a, a career in show business looks like. I'm 42, and I've been playing prof- music professionally off and on since I was 20 so like you know I'm very aware that like I'm not a new commodity Mm. and you know and it's like I'm trying to figure out like how to much like many other artists I'm trying to figure out how to exist without you know just knowing that like to live in a major metropolitan area now as an artist is really I mean it's it's in in some ways it's necessary Mm -hmm. for the work but I think for what people like me do it's becoming less and less necessary Mm. I don't think I could live in a place as small as Green River, you know? I mean, I could definitely live in a place like Moab, you know, uh, but, like, it's just, like, different priorities. Like, most of the people I've been around in the last month here, they're not, like, they're not, like, addicted to social media the same way that people Mm. in cities are. They're Mm -hmm. not, like, Mm -hmm. hustling, you know? I mean, they are. I mean, it's hard, you know? And Mm -hmm. I know people work really hard, and but, like, it's just um, the the blood pressure kind of psychically goes down. You know, and you sacrifice a lot, as you know, like when you're not in a major metropolitan area. I mean, there's a lack of, you know, diversity. There's a lack of food diversity. There's like a lack of resources. It's, you know, mm-hmm. it's more expensive to fly in and out of a small airport. So, you know, I think it's like it'd be hard for me to commit to living in a place really remote. It, I think especially like without a partner or like a group of friends mm-hmm. or a collective. But right. I do think it's a model that's going to become more and more appealing to artists of different disciplines because the digital economy of social media and algorithms is like so harsh, unforgiving, and frankly, like debilitating mentally mm-hmm. to a lot of people. I think a lot of what's going on since COVID has been a, I just call it like a huge digital depression. It's like yeah. this cycle of addiction and necessity we have to the internet and social media and apps. And it's just, really 
not good for our souls. You're saying that like the appeal of being in a smaller place, maybe not as small as Green River necessarily, but a place that's like not in a major urban center. Are you seeing like the creative economy in these bigger cities? Are they drastically different than the creative economy in rural places? Yes, they are drastically different. And in what ways? Nashville is kind of a weird anomaly, I will say this, mm. uh, because it's it's still, I think, partially because of its location and its size. People need to keep in mind, you know, like that Nashville has this mythic quality to it, you know. There's, but like, it's about seven or eight hundred thousand people in the whole county of Davidson mm. County, which is kind of like that's not a lot of people. I mean, that's it's smaller right. than Indianapolis, it's smaller mm. than St. Louis. It's like it's not a very big city. It punches above its weight and ego and restaurants and music and all that, you know. Um, I, I should only speak for myself, but I will say that I have observed the way that creative people in places like Los Angeles, I'm sure New York's like this to a degree, um, there is so much, like, need to or, like, perceived need to, like, show everything you of what you're doing all the time. And... That constant promotion, it's like, I don't think everybody who does it is a narcissist because I am do it a lot and I'm, I'm, I have a lot of things wrong with me, but I'm not a narcissist. I'm a neurotic, <laughs> as one therapist put it. But no, I mean, like, really, I think that, but there's a neurotic pathological level of self-promotion mm-hmm. that I think is going on specifically in music because it, because it's just been so devalued. Like, I don't. Mm-hmm. I know films changed a lot. I mean, I, t- I have a lot of friends in the film community, and we talk mm-hmm. about this stuff too. I just think there's a different value system, and that's not every metropolitan area. You know, mm-hmm. like I have friends in places like Portland and, you know, the Northeast, and there's something about the hustle and the promotion and the proximity to it, just criminally insane wealth and celebrity culture mm-hmm. in Southern California. Actually, all of California, frankly, because of the Bay now. Mm-hmm. It's it just warps people. I'm sorry. I mean, it. it, it I'm saying that as somebody who's mm-hmm. who's warped it. I've had I've had warped expectations of things. Now at the same time, you know, um, it is where you succeed. I mean, I think about you know, it's like it's like New York is like that. You know, like if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, that is is actually true, and that's kind of weird. What's interesting is like the musical community that I sort of fell into when I moved to L.A was primarily ambient new age and experimental stuff mm-hmm. um which just there's a community of that in nashville but like there's not really mm-hmm. you know and it's you know it's just not it's not very diverse it's not very big it's not supported right. and there's so much of that going on in la right now it's really mm-hmm. kind of hasn't having a renaissance moment and i'm mm-hmm. friends with a lot of people in that world and that's really inspiring because mm-hmm. it's like i get a lot of energy out of that but at the same time i think that being in smaller places for me personally is probably better for creation as far as like manifesting projects i still think that being in a larger area or one with more musicians and more studios and more Mm -hmm. like interdisciplinary stuff but like i don't know i might go back to la like i'm actually scared a little bit really well i was in grand junction about a week ago Mm -hmm. and the traffic was stressing me out so what's going to happen when i get on the 210 you know what i mean like Mm. I might have an epiphany. I might just believe like, I, this doesn't bother me anymore. And sure. I'm having the Zen moment, but sure. probably I'm going to be mm-hmm. really stressed out. Cause mm-hmm. that's usually how traffic impacts me. And, um, <laughs> so I don't know. I might, I might go back there and just be like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. Um, and 
you know, no one's asking you to. It's like, you know, like I have a neighbor at the, this apartment complex that I live in in Highland Park is amazing. Like, and it's rent controlled. There's guys who like have been living there for 30 years. And my next door neighbor, Ralph, I think he grew up in, in, in the Northern California area, but he's lived in Southern California for a long time. And he said mm-hmm. something kind of like real philosophical one day, you know, he's he smoking his pipe with his little dog, you know, and it's like, he's like, yeah, you know, you guys come and go. You know, if you can afford to buy a house, you do. And if you can't make it out here, you move back and live with your parents. You know, I was like, actually, that kind of is accurate. <laughs> it's like, I like the, tra- like, you know how L.A., like, I know you grew up there. so Because Nashville has a very transitory thing. And I grew up there. And it, it is, so I have mm-hmm. to understand. But it's like, it is, well, the thing I like about L.A. is, like, people are so busy and self-centered it's like they don't really know if you live there or not and if you show up every once in a while it's kind of like it's kind of like an airport or a theme park i mean mm-hmm. i mean it is there is a theme park there at disneyland you know what right? i mean yeah i do know what you mean like it's weird i mean it's like the weather doesn't change which, right. which is you know if you, it's like it's like oh it's hot and right now it's really hot and i think it, you know when i would go across the country or go traveling i think people were surprised that i was from los angeles because yeah. they're like no one's from there I'm like 12 million people i was are about from to there. say yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. actually Actually, no. Los Angeles County right. is the most right. populous U.S. Exactly. County. Yeah, <laughs> I know, but it kind of does yeah. feel that way. I think there's like a there's a resilience for things like traffic and curvy roads. There's like this not resilience for things like cold weather and rain. Right. But I think it's just what you grow up around. Mm-hmm. You know, like you grow up in the Midwest. Like I have all these friends in the Minneapolis, Wisconsin music mm-hmm. scene. You know, and like yeah, like they grew up watching their dads drive snowplows to bars to watch right. the Packers. You know, it's like okay, if I mean, I, what did I grow up around? Tornadoes and cockroaches and you know, smuggy summers. You know, it's like that doesn't bug me out. Earthquakes scare the hell out of me. Sure, <laughs> but no, I do. I think I love, and also just to bring it back to Mike Davis, I, that's one of the things I love about him. He's like he's a California, he's an LA native right. or San Diego or something. He's mm-hmm. like he's like as much as he like dishes on his like hometown and his mm-hmm. home state or whatever. He's like, no, this is my home. Yeah. Like, people are from here. Right. It's not just Hollywood, mm-hmm. you know. It's really right. not, you know. Right. There are people just doing regular stuff. Million And millions <laughs> of them are uh-huh. – most of them are not famous or rich. Exactly. Or white. Exactly. <laughs> well, finally, William, do you want to say anything else about this project before we go? I've really loved getting to develop a relationship with Sarah and the radio station kind of indirectly through her. And, and you know, I'm sure I'll be back. And, yeah. sky and the sun spare no one in the high desert. The wind brings the songs of those who have passed through before, and each day the train arrives at an open-air platform, like something out of a Sergio Leone movie. To call the place desolation is to ignore all the beauty and life that live in the stillness between the train and the wind.
difficult times, my people have a word in our language, and it's, it's amanik. That means to sit still, be quiet, listen. And that isn't just listen to another human being talking. That's listen to the land, listen to your environment, be alert to what's around you, and listen. You won't hear it if you're talking. So listen, sit still, Amanik. That was Regina Lopez White Skunk from Ute Mountain Ute Tribe. You're tuned into KZMU Moab 90.1 and 106.7 FM, heard online at kzmu.org. A radio special, Twilight Zephyr, written, produced, and arranged by William Tyler, live here at KZMU as part of the Epicenter Frontier Fellowship in Green River, Utah. What if it was all beautiful? What if decay was just change? As iron turns to ochre, so do the voices on the radio swim into static and starlight.
it is May 19th. You're probably hearing the wind outside again. Just starting to kind of blow in. So one of the things that I was able to, one one of the streams of thought that I was able to probably thread the most constructively in the earliest after I got to Utah and had a few days to really like read about the history of the area is that there's all these, not only am I experiencing wind as, as this like kind of overwhelming force in real time, but there's just like these strange little clues, you know, that the train that comes through here twice a day is called the California Zephyr. And Zephyrus was the Greek god of the west wind. And there's actually a old diner in town in Green River uh, called the West Wind. And, you know, there from what I've been able to tell from cursory reading about Zephyrus is that um, it was a calm, gentle, reassuring wind, you know, kind of like the breath of life. And the wind is kind of a, I want to say it is a threat because it causes fires or it spreads fire. But it's one of the many... Um, kind of inescapable reminders of what's in ac- what's actually in charge here, which is which is nature, and you know, of course, nature's always in charge. But there's in these environments, it's you know, there's it's just harder to it, it's I wouldn't say escape, but I mean, it's impossible to ignore. It's like the sky. I mean, the the cinematic sky, you know. <laughs> as as uh, I think Peter Kabelka, the Austrian f- experimental filmmaker, he had this whole lecture about how you know Sunrise was the original movie, uh, <laughs> the big sky, you know, the sky that this time of year, um, you know, the sun doesn't even really go down till nine, and first light comes at five five thirty, wakes me up. And then there's the wind. It's the wind in the sky, and then the dust, and just the views. So the experiencing the vistas is the cinematic movie-going part of the experience. And listening to the wind and the radio and how those two interact with the landscape in many ways is the concert-going experience of this and as I say that, yeah, the wind is going to start rolling in here but uh, it's going to cool things down or I guess if it doesn't cool things down directly at least it's going to lead to um, kind of a respite from this really intense heat that is just, you know bears the news of what's to come for for those people living here, it's going to be a hot summer. Hot and dry, but with unparalleled views.
Ann Carson wrote, To live past the end of your myth is a perilous thing. In the West, there have been many generations of travelers and transplants, all running away from one myth and attempting to engage in new ones. And all the while the land, inhabited by people for thousands of years, with their own myths and their understanding of the land.
out here. Radio floats above the canyons and the swell. When the phone service drops and nothing is there but the horizon, the earth and static of the radio still bounces around the ether and brings us the news, reminds us that we are all just trying to get the frequency. Vegas water intake now visible out of the suffering Nevada Lake. The city's water supply marked a milestone with a water intake breaking the surface of the drought-depleted Lake Mead and the activation of a new pumping facility to draw water from deeper in the crucial Colorado River Reservoir. The Southern Nevada Water Authority released photos this week of the uppermost intake visible at the lake behind Hoover Dam. This as several states relying on the Colorado River take new steps to conserve water amid an ongoing drought.com. Ladies, let's get wild for elk country. The Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation invites you to their annual Ladies Night Out, Saturday, May 7th, with games, live music, raffles, auctions, and a catered dinner from Jimmer's Barbecue and Grill. The theme is Queen of Hearts. Dress up and be entered to win a Springfield Hellcat Microcompact Pistol. Grab your cow pals and enjoy Ladies Night Out, Saturday, May 7th at 5 p.m. at the Cameo Shooting and Education Complex. For tickets and more information, Isolated showers then becoming mostly sunny for Monday. Grand Junction, 73. Montrose, 67. Mostly clear Monday night, 48. Mostly sunny, slight chance of thunderstorms Tuesday, 73. From the land of venomous snakes brought me a heightened awareness of the beauty all around me. It was good to have dangerous wild neighbors. Living among grizzly bears had made a similar impression on me. Sharing the habitat with animals that sometimes kill or eat human was the most direct route I knew towards a non-anthropocentric cosmology. How the hell could anyone believe humans were the center of the world? Mark for the wind-up, delivery, Elton. Fouls it off down the third baseline, battling, quality of bat nonetheless for Oakley Elton to get the fourth inning off and rolling. Emory for Union nothing. A game that was postponed a couple of weeks back due to snow. Gives Emory one more opportunity to get a game in before the state tournament this weekend. Alton drives one, turns it to left field, and we're set for out number one. Handled by Peyton Marks, the left fielder. Alton drops to 0-2 on the afternoon, and that brings up the first baseman, Trevin Wakefield. universe from 
one of Utah's dark sky parks. With more than 14 state park destinations to choose from, your family can gaze at the Milky Way, watch the moon rise, or make a wish during a meteor shower. With the right telescope, you can find nearby planets, tour distant galaxies, or capture the heavens with your own deep space photography. Your adventure begins with a camping reservation and a clear view to the darkened skies. Launch your epic nighttime adventure at stateparks.utah.gov.
wind, there is a reason why the red rock country of southern Utah looks the way it does. Wind. Say the word and a small breeze blows out of your mouth. Say the word again in front of a lit match and the flame will disappear. Wind. 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 It is a humbling thing living here, exposed to the elements of wind, water, and heat. There is no protection in the desert. We are vulnerable. It is a landscape of extremes. I find myself mirroring them, hot, cold, wet, dry. The challenge is to live in the midst of so much beauty. Wind is spirit made manifest, and it has a thousand faces. A gentle breeze, a vicious slap, a relentless voice that can conjure demons. Terry Tempest Williams, Red. Floyd Yellow Cat, names on the land, places where you can exit the highway, but there's nothing there but the steady stir and song of the land and the sky. No services.
Moab, from the Bible, an ancient kingdom near the Dead Sea. Moab, U.S. Army acronym for Mother of All Bombs, or Massive Ordnance Air Blast, referring to nuclear armed missiles. From Green River to White Sands, how many war games were played out in these canyons, waiting to tell their stories? to listen to in the stillness. The western wind is gone. The train is gone. The people aren't awake yet. As the sun pierces through the crevices of every building in this desert town, the stillness is punctuated by someone listening to a piece of ancient, at least to them, ancient music on an old cassette deck in an empty office building. The day has yet to shed its secrets. tuned into KZMU, you've been listening to Twilight Zephyr, written by William Tyler, narrated by John Gottschalk.
produced by Sarah Mead, recorded by William Tyler in various locations throughout southeast Utah. Guitar recordings at The Tank in Rangeley, Colorado, were engineered by Michael Van Wagoner and Samantha Lightshade. Terry Tempest Williams was voiced by Francis Erlandson. Recording of Regina Lopez White Skunk, courtesy of the Moab Museum. This show was a collaboration between Epicenter and KZMU. Thank you to Maria Sykes, Francis Erlandson, Will Kirshner, Summer Orr, Mary Langworthy, Rachel Cassells, the Tyler family, Jen Joy, Jen Joy Jameson, and Chris Merchant, James Paul, everyone at Epicenter, KZMU, and The Tank. Music by William Tyler, closing music by Andre Segovia. Keep it tuned to KZMU, Moab.